With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour three. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425 if you'd like to be on the program. I am weaseling my way out of Bible study tomorrow. (laughs) So so I've got a Bible study and I I, I love going. It's, It's great. I go, it's more of an accountability group. There are four of us and three of us were supposed to be tomorrow. One's in Europe, but, um, Suddenly it's in Atlanta and I'm looking at the hurricane forecast. I was like, I don't think I can, I, I need to be home tomorrow. We're expecting like in, in middle Georgia, three to four inches of rain in a matter of hours. Um, and I don't want to be on the road trying to get home after that's over, let alone if something happens and need to be at home with my wife and kids. We're, we're not expected in middle Georgia to be terrible, uh, but we are expecting um, three to five inches of rain and worse in South Georgia. Uh, and then, of course, Florida is going to have the brunt of it as the storm continues to intensify. And a lot of the modeling is showing it wobbling a little more to the west. And if it goes just a few more degrees to the west in the path of the arc, it's going to come more where I am. And I don't want that, but I need to not be on the road um, when there's a hurricane coming. So fun times. Now, we must we must get into what the Russians are doing, because not everything is going badly for the Russians. And uh, Walter Russell Mead at the Wall Street Journal has a story, and he points out something that I have been commenting on, and it kind of makes me feel good when someone that smart points out something that I've been saying. Uh, And he's got this piece, the view from the Kremlin isn't all bad. Not everything is going Vladimir Putin's way. Ukraine's counteroffensive has made gains recently. Russia's foreign exchange reserves are dwindling. The Prigozhin fiasco revealed cracks in the Kremlin's power structure. Even so, the view from the Kremlin is nowhere as gloomy as Mr. Putin's opponents wish. Mr. Putin's original plans in Ukraine may have failed and left him in a difficult war of attrition. But the Ukrainians have problems of their own. U.S. and Ukrainian military officials are squabbling about who is to blame for the counteroffensive's slow progress. With American officials warning that they're unlikely to provide Ukraine with equal or greater supplies for a second offensive next year, Mr. Putin may think he has passed peak Ukraine in terms of the country's ability to resist. Farther afield, Mr. Putin also has much to be happy about. The coup in Niger... Niger, as some people insist I say, the coup in Niger, underlines the massive success that the Wagner Group, Wagner, the Wagner Group has had in disrupting the Western position across Africa. This is partially about Russia gaining control 
over such resources as gold and uranium and partially about creating chaotic threats to Western interests. Western policymakers are left to wrestle with the migrant flows as refugees stream north and the threat of terrorism rising as jihadist groups gain ground across the Sahel. The collapse of French and European power across Africa does more than highlight the geopolitical impotence of the European Union. It diverts American attention and resources from Asia and Ukraine. Okay, I can stop there. It's an interesting piece. Let me just talk to you. We live in a more complex world than some people want to believe. The world is more integrated than some people wish. And there is a desire growing on the right to remove ourselves from the world stage. I hear so often now from people on the right, we can't take care of the border because we're sending all the money to Ukraine. We can take care of the border and send money to Ukraine. The Biden administration has chosen not to. The Heritage Foundation under Dr. Kevin Roberts has gotten a lot of flack lately. Uh, One of its chief military and defense voices has left. The organization sounds like it's going wobbly on a robust foreign policy and uh, strong America abroad. I don't actually think that's the case at all. I think there are a lot of people who want to use the Heritage Foundation as a punching bag right now, in large part because uh, Kevin Roberts realizes that uh, there is a realignment going on in the country, including within the right, that you've got a populist right, a nationalist right, a conservative right. Heritage was the voice of the standard conservative fair, but Heritage increasingly being a voice of the right tries to amalgamate and build consensus among the nationalists, the populists, the conservatives, libertarians, and all that. And, and part of that comes out in dealing with Ukraine. The fact of the matter is it is objectively true that Joe Biden himself has bungled the American response in Ukraine. It is fundamentally a reality that Joe Biden has bungled the response. We were slow to give weapons. We were slow to give ammunition. We were slow to give tanks. We were slow to give planes. We were slow to give training. Joe Biden says he wants to do these things, but he drags his damn feet every single time. And that allows people who are opposed to him. It allows people on the right who are skeptical of the campaign to say, well, what are we doing here? We can't walk and chew gum at the same time. And all the heritage foundation is saying is we would like to hear a plan that allows us to walk and chew gum at the same time. And we haven't heard it. The heritage foundation has not explicitly come out and said, uh, we're opposed to funding Ukraine. What they've come out and said is we want a plan. We want to, how much are we actually going to wind up spending? And what are we going to get from this? Joe Biden's throwing money at the situation, but then he's tying Ukraine's hands behind their back. So the money's laying all over the place for the grifters, the scoundrels and the corrupt oligarchs to grab because the Ukrainians, they're not allowed to take the money and send it back to us to buy our weapons. I mean, part of the process of funding the Ukraine situation was we send money to Ukraine and Ukraine then sends the money back to Alabama and Texas where they buy weapon systems. And what Joe Biden has done is said, here, we're going to give you all the money. 
but you're not allowed to buy any of our weapons with it. You take the money and, and you find a way to protect yourself. It's stupid. It's stupidity. Joe Biden has not been aggressive enough, and we could have dealt with the situation, except Joe Biden always seems to bungle when the opportunity arises, which he can bungle something. Look at Afghanistan. He's doing to Ukraine what he did to Afghanistan. And meanwhile, the Russians have caught on. Y'all, it is a statement of fact that Vladimir Putin did not do these things when Donald Trump was president because Donald Trump, for all of his faults, one of them being unpredictable, you never knew how he was going to respond. So the Russians did not invade Ukraine while Donald Trump was president. They waited until Joe Biden showed up. And Democrats get really defensive when you point it out, but it's the God's honest truth. And what the Russians are doing elsewhere is they're trying to destabilize the world even further. The West Africa region is called the Sahel. It's part and parcel part of the Sahara Desert, Sahara Desert. It's got uh, some plains, it's very hot, has a number of countries across the Sahel. You've got Mali, you've got Niger, you've got Sudan. It's a, a, you also have Boko Haram is there, Al-Qaeda is there, the Islamic State is there. You got parts of Burkina Faso and Algeria involved, Cameroon, the Central African Republic, Chad, Eritrea, Ethiopia. It's an area of the planet where the first Christian churches arose in Ethiopia. You had Christian settlements in Ethiopia before most other places. You had the Islamic influence coming down from North Africa, the Mohammedan invasions of the Islamic um, uh, rise of Islam when Muhammad was alive and thereafter the successors of Muhammad, as they moved south through the Sahara, they, they found trading routes that would connect oases so they could make it into the desert and stay alive. And they emerged on the south side, on the Atlantic. But then you had Christians and, and you had uh, native religions there. There's oil production there. There's rare earth minerals there. And it is, to a degree, a, a difficult, difficult place to thrive, and yet they do it. For a very long time, the United States and Western powers have been deploying post-colonial military and, and foreign aid power there to prop up regimes and foster some level of stability and democracy. You can tell the former British colonial uh, nations there because they're the stable ones. It's a true story. The, the, you go around the world and you find uh, former British colonies, they tend to be more stable democracies than the Spanish, the German, the French. But the Russians are using the Wagner mercenaries to launch a series of coups in the Sahel. So in Mali and in Niger and other parts of the Sahel, the Russians are launching military coups. Now, here's, here's what you've got to understand about these military coups is the Russians don't care who wins. 
the Russians are not trying to replace governments with pro-Russian governments, although in some cases that's happened. All the Russians want is to disrupt because if they disrupt, then the Islamic State and Boko Haram and al-Qaeda come back again. They don't want those terrorist, Islamic terrorist groups to win. What they want is for American and European resources to have to go restabilize the regimes. And as long as the Americans and the Europeans are going to restabilize those regimes in Africa, they're not focused on Ukraine. They're not focused on Russian expansionism, and they're not focused on China. It's all part of a larger strategy. And the problem here is I can see this. Walter Russell Meade can see this. My friends at the Heritage Foundation can see this. The Biden administration doesn't seem to get it. It's abundantly obvious. It's like two kids, one running to distract mom while the other goes into the pantry to get the cookies out. Mom knows mom's got to go in the kitchen. There's clearly something going on here. But you got a kid distracting the mom. This is, this is what the Russians are doing. And it's abundantly obvious to so many people who study foreign policy that the series of coups and instability that's happening in West Africa is happening at the Russian prompting to distract the Americans and Europeans from Ukraine and other issues to cause fissures around the world and also to get access to rare earth minerals to help the, the Russians. Everybody sees it except the Biden administration. The Heritage Foundation is being attacked not because the Heritage Foundation wants to stop helping Ukraine. The Heritage Foundation just wants to know what the plan is. And Biden doesn't have one. And that's a big tip-off. You have the Biden administration, in all seriousness, you have the Biden administration on the public stage saying, attention, attention, we have no more weapons. We have no more ammunition. We are backlogged. We can't even supply the Ukrainians. Attention, don't attack us now, China. Don't invade Taiwan now. We don't have the supplies. They're literally... I mean, what idiots are you to be on the world stage saying, hey, I'm sorry, we don't have any more ammunition. Our supply lines are garbage. All Heritage wants is a game plan. That's what I would like. I think we should support the Ukrainians. But Biden's giving them money. That money was then intended to buy weapon systems. And Biden's saying, well, you can't buy those weapon systems yet. So where the hell is the money going? Give us the plan. Don't drag your feet. And meanwhile, in West Africa, in the shadows, the Russians are trying to destabilize things because they want access to oil and rare earth minerals in Africa. And they also want the Islamic radicals to begin to rear their head again, not because the Russians want them to win, but because they know the Americans will go there instead of elsewhere. It's all part of a larger strategic vision by Vladimir Putin. We're playing checkers while he's playing chess. He's multiple steps ahead, and Biden is literally asleep. And he doesn't understand what's going on. And his advisors are too clueless to clue him in. Maybe this administration should actually start listening to some of the issues being raised by the Heritage Foundation. I am a small businessman. The company that I run for my radio show, it's a small business. I've got employees. I don't have HR. You may be in that situation and you may really need HR. Well, you may want to talk to Bambi. When running a business, your employees can create all sorts of interesting situations and they could get you in trouble. What happens when two employees are squabbling? One of them smells bad all the time. What do you do? How do you navigate the rules? With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. They're available by phone, email, real-time chat. 
Onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance. Your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. Let Bambi handle your employees for you. Their HR autopilot automates important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Listen, you want U.S.-based HR managers who give you experience, expertise, a personal touch you need to make it seem like they're a part of your team. They could cost eighty grand a year, but Bambi starts at $99 a month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast when you sign up. It'll help you. It'll help your company grow. It'll help you keep peace of mind. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. Bam. B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. Type in Eric Erickson. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I, I got to play this audio for you. This is intriguing. Um, uh, I just, I enjoy it when he does this stuff. Uh, DeSantis loves to turn the tables on reporters, and he's so much smarter than most of the reporters. So a liberal reporter has asked the governor a stupid climate change question uh, regarding the hurricane coming, Idalia. I guess it's pronounced Idalia, like, like Vidalia, but Idalia. That's how it's spelled, at least. Listen to this. Storm. I mean, it's, this is a storm that's really quickly intensifying, more than originally planned, and it's going into the Gulf, which you know many scientists say that it's, the warm water contributed by climate change is really intensifying these storms. What do you think is contributing to this? Well, I think it's okay. So if you if you couldn't understand what she says, she says uh, this this. This storm is really intensifying, and scientists say it's it's climate change. It's going into warm water. It's, it's really intensifying coming ashore. What do you say to that about climate change? In, uh, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I see a lot of parallels with Hurricane Michael. Hurricane Michael, if you remember, a few days before, we knew there would be a storm. Nobody was saying that it was going to be a Category 5 storm. I mean, that just was not what people were saying. And then it intensified, and that it delivered a, a major, major impact to, to northwest Florida that we're still recovering from. And so this one was something that if we were talking on Friday, most of the people were saying it'd be a tropical storm, maybe inch into a Cat 1. And every single update has, has intensified it uh, a little bit more and more. So we are bracing for a major hurricane impact, Category 3 plus. Uh, hopefully uh, it doesn't get much worse than a Category 3. But, but the reality is, is uh, you got basically clear sailing for this thing. Uh, you've got waters uh, that are warm, um, and there's not really going to be much uh, to slow it down. So, so we can hope for the best, but I think we've got to prepare for the worst. And so all Floridians right now, this is your time to be able to, to take the precautions that you need to be able to protect yourself, your family, your property. Uh, expect impacts from this storm if you're on the Gulf Coast of Florida, particularly from the Tampa Bay area up through the Big Bend region. We will be back here uh, doing another update uh, at some point today, and I, and I may be um, going to, uh, to other parts of Florida to, to, to meet with some of the folks on the ground in some of the areas that we expect to, to face a major impact. So, we'll not, not giving the recorder in, a reporter an inch on the climate issue, uh, which, is, which is fantastic, and also pointing to other hurricanes that behaved very similarly. Um, it's just good for him. Good for him for not buying the presuppositions from these reporters on these questions. When we come back, we do need to talk about Afghanistan. I guess this is the Foreign Policy Hour. It's Eric Erickson here, 877-973-7425.
Hi there, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Before I get to Afghanistan, this, it's, it's remarkable to me. This is from the Associated Press. Against the picturesque background of the medieval King's College in Cambridge, a man mows a meadow on a mower pulled by two Shire horses. The Shire horses at work serve as an example of how green spaces can be managed in an environmentally sustainable way. Oh my goodness, this is where the climate cult has gotten us. We've given up on lawnmowers and we've gone back to methane emitting horses taking twice as long to mow the grass. Uh, and then they break out the rakes, by the way, to 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 rake it all away. Y'all, I, I, I love a good meadow. You know, one of the things, some states do this. There's a wildflower initiative in my, in my state, in Georgia, and they they plant wildflowers down the middle of the interstate. It's gorgeous. When it's in full bloom in the summertime, the cosmos and the, the poppies and you name it, I love it. Uh, you just have miles and miles of color. When I was a kid, we would be landing in Amsterdam uh, on our way home from the summer um, back to Dubai. And when you landed, you could see the fields, and the, the flowers were amazing. It was like, I mean, God painting the landscape. During tulip season, you, you, you land in, in the Netherlands and tulips, it's unbelievable to, to see the color. I, I, and I love a good meadow. If, if I could ever own land one day, one day I would like to own land and have a house way back on this giant tract of land. And part of it, I would love to just be a wildflower meadow because I love the flowers. I, I think they're beautiful. And the bees and the butterflies have a nice place to live. I've got a lot of friends who uh, have bees. Uh, my friend Jeremiah is up in Athens, just he, he gives us honey. Uh, my buddy Drew Ryan, who helped us with the gathering out in Texas, he, he's now a beekeeper. And uh, my friends were beekeepers. It's not a cheap thing. It is not a cheap thing. It's not, a, not, not inexpensive to do. Uh, but they love the honey. And the bees have problems. We're losing bees, and they're all concerned about the bees. But I love these these wildflower meadows. And so at Cambridge, scientists decided to plant just a three-acre patch of wildflower meadow and, and check out the, the biodiversity. And it turns out way more biodiversity in meadow than on a lawn. Now, part of this is an anti-lawn campaign. They do not want lawns. Environmentalists have decided that your green grass is a bad thing. Uh, my buddy Hugh, I've mentioned this before, uh, he is a he's a lawn snob. He wants the perfect lawn, and he spends enormous amounts of energies. It is the perfect dad project for him, getting his grass the right shade of green at the right height with the right lawnmower pattern. It is an obsession, and the environmentalists think it's a bad thing. If you want a meadow, have a meadow. If you want a lawn, have a lawn. It should be your choice. I fear the government is going to try to come in and, and regulate these things. But what I just I want to note, though, is to be environmentally friendly, they have gone pre-industrial civilization. They've gone back to the horse and buggy. They've gone back to the horse-powered lawn mowing device that uses no gas. It doesn't even use a battery. It uses a horse. 
with a driver. It takes much longer. This is a regression. This is not healthy. This isn't stable. This isn't sane. This is a regression. And it's where the environmentalist movement would like us to go. They would like us to go backwards. They would like us to go back in time. They would like us to roll back our standard of living. They would like us to roll back our uh, way of life. Environmentalists globally believe that if we would regress, if we would revert to pre-industrial civilization, we would save the planet. They want us to regress in our lifestyle. They want us to regress in our way of, way of life. They want us to regress across the board. There is no finer example of Western environmentalist success than our retreat from Afghanistan, where Afghanistan has wholly regressed into the clutches of the Taliban. It's not actually a success. It's not actually an environmental plot, although it could be. It's the hubris of the Biden administration, which itself believes it did a good thing. There's a new book out about Joe Biden and that he was absolutely tone deaf to all the concerns of all the people who told him not to do it. And at one point, Joe Biden absolutely flabbergasted everyone by suggesting either he was wrong or the media was wrong, but he couldn't understand why they thought this was a bad thing and why they thought it hadn't worked out well. It didn't work out well. 13 Americans died. We left behind people who wanted to escape, and the Biden administration to this day has lied about it. The Wall Street Journal has a story about an Afghan interpreter, Aman Jawad. He wonders which will come first, approval for an American visa or his capture. If they recognize me, they'll kill me. He wakes at 7 a.m. in a daily routine that's kept him alive. He packs milk and bread into the backpacks of his 9-year-old son and 6-year-old daughter and walks them to school, hoping to pass unnoticed. There and back, he wears sunglasses, a pandemic-era surgical mask, and the type of skull cap worn by Pashtuns, the ethnicity of most Taliban. When he returns to the family's fourth-floor apartment in Kabul, he has breakfast with his wife, Palwasha. After the meal, she leaves for work as a hospital midwife, the family's sole supporter. Jawed suspends, suspends the rest of his day at home with his three-year-old daughter, tapping at his laptop and watching TV, afraid to venture outside, trapped in idle humiliation. I live like a prisoner, he said. A decade ago, Jawed worked as an interpreter for U.S. Special Forces in Afghanistan, a popular aide-de-camp known as AJ. He served as the voice of American troops on missions to capture or kill suspected Taliban militants in far-flung rural villages. With the Taliban now in charge, he's one of the hunted. The Taliban say we helped the invaders, that we killed their friends and dropped bombs on them, says Jawed, 41 years old. If they recognize me, they will kill me. After the fall of Kabul in August 2021, the U.S. evacuated tens of thousands of Afghans who had worked with the U.S. Jawed, an interpreter for four years, wasn't one of them. He was nearly one of 150,000 people awaiting a decision to provide an escape from Afghan allies left behind. His application is under review. The Biden administration has mired the review process in so much bureaucracy, many of these people will be murdered by the Taliban before they can get out. Our country did this. Our leadership did this. The most galling part of it 
is that they've never apologized. They've never recognized they were to blame. They've never exercised an ounce of humility. They've, they've never done anything to make it right. And now the things that Congress has forced this administration to do, like an expedited program to get these people out of Afghanistan and review their applications, they've mired it in so much bureaucracy, the programs themselves are not working. The Biden administration was willful in this. They have left American allies behind to die. And you know what happens the next time? The next time we have to go do something like we did in Afghanistan, which God forbid we do, but you and I both know inevitably at some point we will, those people will not trust us. They'll remember what we did to the Afghans who helped us. In four years of Donald Trump in the White House, the media continually talked about how we were burning bridges around the world and losing trust of world leaders and losing the trust of allies. They have never once pointed out that Joe Biden has done far worse. They haven't wanted to point out Joe Biden did far worse. Many of them agreed with Joe Biden. The Biden administration has left behind allies and friends to die, to be murdered brutally by the Taliban because Joe Biden can't accept he screwed up. Joe Biden can't admit he screwed up. Joe Biden refuses to acknowledge he screwed up. No one in the Biden administration lost their job over the bungling exit of Afghanistan. And over the last two years, it's become increasingly obvious. The reason is because it was Joe Biden himself who did it. It was no one else in his administration. Even his advisors who wanted us to withdraw from Afghanistan told him this was not the way to do it. And he chose to ignore them all and leave Afghanistan and let the Taliban take back over and regress that country back to the Stone Ages, just like the environmentalists want to do to the rest of us. To the phones we go. Uh, G, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Um, Yes, hello, Eric. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Just fine. Thank you. Um, I have a question. What if you are being overly positive or hopeful in saying that the progressives and Biden are being, say, unprepared or incompetent. What if this is actually by design, sort of to tear down the U.S. as we currently know it in order to rebuild in the way that they would prefer to, um, you know, sort of oh, the I, Russian, I see what you're saying. Um, so I actually, I actually do think uh, that a lot of the progressives, it is by design. They hate the United States and they wish the United States were just one of 198 equal countries as opposed to the best. Uh, they do have a plan for us to decline. They want us to decline. Uh, and, and their way to decline us is to hold us back so that other nations catch up to us and pass us. Uh, but I think that Joe Biden himself is an incompetent moron who goes to sleep at 7 p.m. and trips over his own feet. So you have the progressives themselves who have a willful desire to destroy the country, and Biden himself is too incompetent to realize it. And if you know anything about Biden, uh, in his 50 years in the Senate, he was actually more moderate than the progressives. Uh, But at this point, I mean, he's going to bed at 5 p.m., and they're they're spoon-feeding him what they want to do. So he's clueless, incompetent, uh, suffering from dementia, and you got the progressives in control exercising their agenda. So it's incompetence on his part and maliciousness on their part. And incompetent maliciousness is the worst of all worlds for us, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I don't think he's running anything. I just, you know, I, I got to tell you, so I, I talked to friends of mine who are Republicans in the House of the Senate 
who in leadership who have to meet with him. And they say when they meet with him, the guy's engaged and the guy's sharp. But there's only like three hours a day that he's engaged and sharp. And you got to catch him in those three hours. And if you don't catch him in those three hours, he's worn out. He's old. He wants to go watch The Price is Right and Wheel of Fortune. And you got the chief of staff who makes the decisions. And when the chief of staff is a progressive and whittles down the decisions that which Joe Biden ultimately decides, uh, Joe Biden is only left with a slate of very progressive options. And he tends to pick the least progressive of the three progressive options, but they're still progressive options. The caveat to all of this, though, is it is increasingly obvious at this point that it was Joe Biden himself who decided that we needed to get out of Afghanistan and screwed it all up. Even his most progressive advisors did not want Joe Biden to leave Afghanistan the way we left it. And that's important that everyone knows this, that even his most progressive advisors did not want him to leave in that way. And he chose to do it because he is an arrogant idiot. And arrogance and idiocy are as dangerous a combination as malicious incompetence. Now, you would be incompetent if you didn't at least go check out Patriot Mobile, patriotmobile.com slash Eric, and see about moving your cell phone service to them because you could save some money. And as they grow their profits, they give to the causes you care about, from the Second Amendment to the pro-life cause to conservative parents battling the wokes on school boards. Patriot Mobile has modeled this for American conservatives. It's how their business was structured and designed. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. If you call Patriot Mobile at 972-PATRIOT and tell them Eric sent you, you get free activation with my name. You can take your existing cell phone number to Patriot Mobile or get a brand new one. You can take your existing unlocked cell phone to them or get a new one. They make it very easy for you to switch. They give you great 5G data, voice, you name it. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric today. They have a coverage map. Zoom straight into your house. Shows you how strong all of it is. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K or 972-PATRIOT. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson here. Too late to give you the phone number. Uh, Let me tell you what's going on here. I want to read for you. Now, this is from the left-wing Axios site, so you got to be a little careful, but I'm fascinated by this. Um, There's a little-known feature beyond the world of hurricane research uh, present in shallower waters closer to the northeastern Gulf Coast where Hurricane Idalia will come on on shore, a plume of outflow from the Mississippi River, which as freshwater is lighter and milder than the salty water of the Gulf, is sitting close to the surface in the northeastern Gulf. Having low salinity freshwater on top and salty ocean water below promotes stability and is resistant to mixing when exposed to hurricane force winds and waves. When a hurricane moves over fresh plume waters, the efficiency with which it mixes the ocean decreases and the warm sea surface temperatures are more persistent. The forecast landfall location in Florida's Big Bend is also unusual. No storm of this magnitude has made a direct hit where the panhandle transitions to the peninsula since 1896. Depending on the exact tract and intensity, it may be unprecedented all the way back to the sort of reliable, start of reliable records in 1851. And of course, everyone points out that the I storms are a curse of sorts. Uh, every storm beginning with I since 2019 has made landfall in the U.S. and has been deadly, Ida, Irma, and Ian. Storms beginning with the letter I outnumber others on the list of most retired names under the World Meteorological Organization Naming Convention, with the majority of them occurring since 2001. 
Well, it's going to come ashore um, tonight in Florida, and it's going to be impacting people in the southeast tomorrow a lot um, throughout the day. Uh, later in the evening over towards South Carolina, looking at the radar right now, and in Florida, you're already starting to see uh, outer bands come on. You, you've got the tropical storm warnings being impacted there. That The outer bands are beginning to impact Tampa Bay as this thing begins to work its way up. Um, heavy rain right now uh, in north of Tampa. Um, you've got headed into Lakeland storms right now. Uh, Land Lakes, Florida, Crystal Springs, Zephyrillus, you're headed towards the storm, Sarasota, Port Charlotte, and the like getting pounded right now. Cape Coral, as well as this thing, is rotating and coming in the far outer reaches of the storm, pushing other storms north into Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, stick with your local radio station. Uh, make sure if you're in the southeast, you've got batteries or you've got a, a rechargeable device. Your cell phones, the further south you go in Georgia, the worse it's expected to be. Uh, I know I've got my affiliate down in, in Vidalia and Statesboro and, and the like. Um, Y'all are all kind of going to get fallout from this, but you're not as far south as some in the state of Georgia. So just be careful out there the next 24 hours. Going to be lots of rain in the southeast where I am. They're thinking maybe three to four inches of rain. Atlanta, however, going to feel the winds uh, at least thus far and maybe not get a whole bunch. Now, the storm is wobbling on the radar and the research, and if it goes a little further west, then it might get further into the state of Georgia and impact more of North Carolina than otherwise expected. Uh, so just stay tuned to your local radio station. Y'all in Florida, uh, I know a lot of you are going to be dropping out tomorrow for special coverage. Stay safe out there. You'll all be in my prayers uh, as this thing moves through. Uh, it looks still right now. It's going to blow through in the bend um, and then head over Jacksonville and that area will be affected. My affiliate WOKV over there. So Y'all just stay safe, stay off the roads if you can, hunker down, uh, and hope this thing doesn't pick up too much more uh, speed and ferociousness. A Category 3, it's not a good storm, but it's more manageable than a 4 and definitely a 5. So hopefully it doesn't intensify. Uh, just stay tuned, uh, and just you got special weather statements throughout Florida. Be with your local radio stations, those of you in the southeast, and keep your radar on. Be safe. Talk to you all tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.